Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Have you been watching, uh, binge watching some television show at some point and then come back like three days later and, and plop on the sofa and go to episode 10 and start watching and realize something's off? You say, Melinda's dead. When did Melinda die? When did that? And you finally realize that you should have gone back at episode 6 instead of episode 10 and you missed some things. If you get that stuff out of order, it will mess up everything, which is why, since I've been doing acts out of order, I'm going to go back and catch up a few things. Seven weeks after Easter, we've been giving to acts, and I've been not doing it in order, so sometimes it can be like a Netflix show at random. So let me go back a couple of episodes and tell you where we are so it'll make sense. Well, first of all, if we were completely doing acts in order, we would have started in chapter 1. Wouldn't that be clever? And chapter 1 outlines the entire volume. Chapter 1, verse 18, functions as kind of a thesis statement for all of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Mrs. Cole, my high school English teacher, would have loved this because there is a structure, an order to Acts. In this one verse, Luke has introduced the main character, who is the Holy Spirit, and then outlined for us the order of the stories that will follow. By the leadership of the Spirit, the witness lands first in Jerusalem in this small, familiar Jewish community where they all live. And, as you might figure, the first chapters of Acts are given to the Jesus movement in Jerusalem. And then next, uh, the gospel moves to nearby Samaria, and then it just moves further and further out. As the book progresses the Holy Spirit keeps enlarging the circle of love and witness and salvation. And the circle gets bigger geographically, but that's not the only way the circle gets more inclusive. And so you remember last week, we were in chapter 8. It was an Ethiopian eunuch who asked, what is to prevent me from being baptized? And Peter dunked him right there. Well, this wouldn't have happened back in chapter 2, right? The story is expanding as it goes along. Well, since last week's story with the eunuch in chapter 8 and today's text in chapter 10, we meet Cornelius. Cornelius is a pious man, but he's not Jewish. He is a commander in the Roman army, an Italian Gentile, And he has a vision 
where angels tell him to go send some of his men to find a man called Peter and get Peter to come to his house. As you can see, it's getting an Italian commander. Well, at the same time, Peter is having a vision also. He has a vision of the heavens opening up, a big sheet floating down. The sheet is full of animals that faithful Jews will not include on the menu. Then Peter hears a voice. And the heavenly voice says, it is okay. It is fine to chow down if you want. What God has called clean, you must not call profane. Peter wakes from his vision, tries to figure out what this means. What what could it mean that I thought what was unclean is clean after all? Then the Holy Spirit, remember the main character in Acts, intervenes. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Look, three men are searching for you. Now get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation. And about that time, there's a knock on the door. It's Cornelius's men there to persuade him to come with them to the house of an unclean Gentile. Huh, what was previously unclean? The mischievous Holy Spirit has rerouted the story. Well, once they get to the house of Cornelius, Peter starts preaching. You saw that coming, right? Peter will preach at the drop of a hat. He starts preaching in the house of Cornelius, and this is where our story picks up today in chapter 10. And did you notice when I read it that while Peter is preaching, he gets interrupted right in the middle of his sermon. The Holy Spirit, the unpredictable Holy Spirit, takes over, grabs the mic, takes center stage. So so here's the fun. The fun for me in this is that we've got two things going on throughout Acts, and they're both happening at the same time. For one, Acts is, as I've said, so ordered, right? Right? Thesis statement in chapter 1, outline, order, progression. But then, throughout this ordered story, we've got this unruly Spirit of God that keeps showing up, disrupting things, moving, reshuffling. Expectations get moved around so that more and more people end up included in the Jesus story. Listen to it again. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. He was interrupted mid-sermon by the Spirit of God. I've mentioned before one of my professors at Mercer, Walter Sheridan. He was professor of church history and I took the very first class he, took, he taught as a professor at Mercer in the 1980s. And as soon as I took his class, he became an immediate favorite. His, his particular emphasis in church history is Baptist history. 
And Dr. Sheridan's written a lot on Baptist history across the years. He coined the terms Charleston Baptist and Sandy Creek Baptist in an article he wrote in 1981, The Southern Baptist Synthesis, Is It Cracking? He introduced two different Baptist traditions and used those handles to identify them. The first, the Charleston tradition, was personified by its pastor, pastor of First Baptist Church Charleston, Dr. Richard Furman, Furman University. The the churches in that First Baptist Charleston tradition and other churches like it were Puritan and educated and refined and stately. Dr. Sheridan said that Baptist churches in this tradition may be summarized in one word, and that word is order. In contrast to the Charleston tradition is the Sandy Creek tradition. And the Sandy Creek Baptists uh, came out of the revivalist movements of New England revivalism and the Great Awakening. They migrated to Sandy Creek, North Carolina in 1755. And in this group of Baptists, think individualism, freedom, songbook, baptisms, camp meetings, religious experience. And the word that would characterize those Baptists, the ones in the Sandy Creek tradition, was not order, but ardor, passion, fire. And quoting Sheridan, unlike the city slickers at Charleston, they did not praise God by praising God, They praised God by reaching women and men. They had a mourner's bench, and they expected public groaning, not polite amens. They were ardent revivalists. Ardor. And Dr. Sheridan believes that we Baptists are at our best when there is a synthesis, the order of the Charleston tradition and the ardor of the Sandy Creek tradition. And there seems to me to be happening in the book of Acts an ongoing illustration of order and ardor. The early church expanding in this systematic, outlined, ordered expansion of the gospel witness And all the while, it's fueled and animated by this mischievous, unruly Holy Spirit that explodes us past our comfort into new expressions of God's love. And the Holy Spirit seems to be quite comfortable with ardor, prodding and tickling and animating and awakening in us some fire that challenges the order and opens up new and new communities to God's love. Check this one out. Chapter 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, 
Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The Holy Spirit's shown up. Here we go again, launching some new mission and to expand the circle of Jesus' followers in the world. The story of the beginning of the church, the organized witness to the love of God in Jesus, is a story of order and disruption. The hard work of organizing and deploying while staying open to the winds of God's Spirit to move us in some creative new direction. The book of Acts has hints of the Charleston tradition and Sandy Creek. An organized witness that gets interrupted in the middle of a sermon mid-sentence to enliven a new way of setting people free. Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. If the early church had not been receptive to the disruptive movement of the Spirit, the witness would have never left its hometown. The witness of the love of God in Christ would have been a small movement of Jesus' followers inside the Jewish community of Jerusalem. But as chapter 1 outlines for us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Another church historian, Rosemary Radford Ruther, is a Catholic scholar. She has this wonderful observation about the church, saying that the church must be organized to do two different things. To pass on the tradition from one generation to another, and to be open to the winds of the Holy Spirit, by which the tradition becomes alive in each generation. To pass on the tradition, order. To be open to the winds of the Spirit, order. Well, what do you think? How do you all think Second Ponce would score on this? Is Second Ponstelian Baptist Church living into the balance of order and ardor? Are, are we a healthy blend of the Charleston and Sandy Creek traditions? Do we organize our best efforts, do our very best work, while always keeping open a window for the mischievous Spirit of God to come in and turn on the jukebox and mess up our stability. 
at the end of the month, beginning uh, May 26, I'm going to teach a three-Wednesday night study titled Trends, Predictions, and Opportunities, Church in a Post-COVID World. Because I think, I think that the Holy Spirit might be asking us to open a window. You see, in the pursuit of order and ardor, I think we could all stand up and applaud the way this church has organized and funded her witness. I think you would join me in taking great pride in the way that Heather and Josh and the Sunday school teachers pass along the tradition from one generation to another. And if you look around this place, we do order pretty much with the best of them, right? But could we use a dose of ardor, some, some fire? I think so. I think the disruptions of COVID are a wonderful opportunity for us to press the reset button. For us to distinguish uh, the barnacles from the coral. For us to get rid of the tired traditions and open the windows to the winds of God's mischievous spirit. And I think that God might do something new and special inside the churches that have not closed off the possibility that the Holy Spirit is still at work expanding the witness into unlikely places. What will that look like? What will the Holy Spirit activity look like around here? It's just it, I don't know. And I'm just a little bit scared about it. It'll look like surprise. It'll look like an interrupted sermon. It'll look like untethered joy. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And a bunch of Italian Gentiles got baptized. The Holy Spirit of God showed up in the middle of a sermon and blew fresh winds into the community of Christ. And new people were initiated into the surprising journey of faith in Jesus. I want this, don't you? I want us to open up the windows and invite God's mischievous spirit to blow in here among us. No, I don't want to invite. I want to beg. (laughs) So would you join me in that? Join me in praying that we might be open. I mean really open to some surprising expressions of God's love. That the Holy Spirit might lead us beyond our comfort in a way that baptisms follow. That, That an unruly wind will blow in here and balance our good order with great ardor. Peter said, In our text for today, can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people 
who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Notice the order. The Holy Spirit did transforming work in the life of Peter and the disciples before the Spirit was unleashed to bring wholeness in the lives of others. So part of our prayer is that God's Spirit will do work on us first so that we might be mature enough in our faith to get out of the way when the Spirit blows and liberation is at hand to the most unlikely. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.